prepares our hearts to be changed by the power of His Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this opportunity to be able to preach Your Word. Your Word that is priceless. And so, Father, I pray that by the power of Your Holy Spirit, You take Your Word and apply it to our hearts for Your glory. Lord, I know that there are many things within our marriages, within our families, within our work, within our finances, within our health, within all other environments in our lives, Lord, where we could get distracted and discouraged. Lord, we all come in here with different things, different loads on our shoulders. Father, my prayer is, of course, is that you would, uh, we would look to you to be the bearer of those burdens. And we would find in you strength that we did not have before, that we would find in you love that we did not know before, that we would find in you our all in all. Thank you for being here with us right now, God. For we do pray that you would help us to see you as glorious and mighty and high and exalted. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In my life, there has been more than one time where I've known that I've needed to change long before that change ever happened. In my life, I have gone to places where I go, this is bad for me. And I found myself going in that direction over and over and over. I needed change. In Amazon, on Amazon, uh, Amazon Amazon.com, if you look up the 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 topic or the the subject matter of self help there are 202,534 books 202,534 books on amazon.com all promising to help you to change you would think with 202,534 books we'd be changed by now but it hasn't happened why? Why is it that you and I know our need for change? We have the resources, resources 202,534 books, and yet there's no change. We find ourselves going back to the places that we did not want to go to. We find ourselves doing the things we said we'd never do again. We find ourselves partaking in the events that we should not be partaking. Know that they're no good for us. Know that they're no good for our family. Know that they're no good for our kids. Know that they're no good for our health. Know that they're no good for... And yet we find ourselves going back and back again. I think it's the quality or the type of change that happens in our lives that leads us to no change at all. Because there's a change that happens that's not transformative change. You do know this, right? Right. Uh, uh, Mark Twain, he said this. He, said, he, was, he wanted to quit smoking cigarettes. He said, quitting, uh, uh, quitting cigarettes is the easiest thing in the world. I've done it a thousand times, right? And so, uh, right, because that's what change looks like, right? That's what change looks like. We, we see it. We know it's bad for us. We say we're going to turn over a new leaf or it's a new year or something like that. We say we're going to be transformed. We say we're going to be changed. But it's a change that's not real change. It's a change that's not real transformation. It's a change that doesn't transform. In this new series, we're going to look at change. In fact, we decided to rename the series Change. And you go, I thought it was supposed to be The Good Life. We changed it. And so, 
and so I want you to flow. But it's called change. And the reason that we decided to just sort of settle on change is because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where our hearts need to be transformed. This is where our souls need to long. We long to be changed. Now, here's the thing. When I do um, series, this is something that you have to know. Because if you don't know this, you're going to get confused. By the end of today, I just met somebody um, who was at the last service. He goes, she said, uh, what did she say? You cannot leave, you know, with a... You cannot leave the service like that when I have all these questions um, about the, the service. And I was like, well, I can do whatever. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. Um, I didn't do that. But you know what I did say? I did say, so, you know, well, I asked her the question and she, was, she asked me some of the questions. You're going to have questions at the end of this service. Because here's how the series works. It's a six-week series. This is part one. This is week one. Now, if you miss the rest of the series, you're just going to have the tension that I'm creating in series one, in part one. You're not going to have the answers that are coming in in week two, week three, week four, week five, and week six. Week two, you do not want to miss week two. You know what week two is about? It's the motivation for change, the real motivation for lasting change. And once you see this motivation, it's going to change your life. It really is. Week three, you know what week three is? It's the power to change. Where do we get the power to change? How do we, how do we access that power for change. I mean, good night. You could have all the motivation in the world, but if you don't have the power, you're, you're stuck, right? But and then, if we have the motivation and we have the power, week four is going to tell us what tools we get to use for change. So you see, each week is going to build on top of it. So I want you to just make a decision in your mind that you're going to change your schedule on Sunday and be here each Sunday. Just make the commitment in your mind. Are you committed yet? Okay, yeah, no, some of you are not so committed. Okay, let's try that again. Are you, are, are, just make the decision. I'll give you a couple of minutes if you want. I'll sit down for a few minutes and you can just kind of process it through your mind. But um, would you just make the commitment? Just go, okay, yes, laundry will be done on Saturday or Monday. Uh, shopping will be done on Saturday or Monday. But Sunday will be left for what God is going to do inside of our souls. We need this series. Let me tell you why. Because every single one of us have issues in our lives that we know need to be changed, but have neither the motivation nor power nor the tools to bring about that very change that we need. Isn't it true? Who here wants a better marriage? Anybody? Anybody at all? Yeah, of course you do, right? Nobody wants our marriage to stay the same, right? Who here wants to uh, a healthier body? Go ahead, lift up your hands. Yeah, right, absolutely, right? Tony Horton has made millions of dollars of people who just desire for a better body, right? I called a friend of mine. I said, okay, here's the rule. The rule is, is if you have P90X for four years and it's still in the box, you ain't going to use it, all right? So you need to mail it to me. And he is, thank by God, grace, because I'm going to use it and all that stuff. But here's my point. My point is, is that we desire change. We know we need change, both in our physical health, within our relationships, within our family, with our children. In all areas of our lives, we know that we recognize that we need this change. We simply don't have a process by which we can go through. This series is meant to answer that question. Now, if you don't follow through with this series or you don't pay attention even to this message, what's going to happen is is that you're going to find yourself in this sort of, this sort of like, Really awful salsa moment. You know what I mean when I say that? I mean, you're going to go, wow, I'm doing so good. Oh my God, not so good. Wow, I'm doing so great. Oh no, I'm back in that hole again. Wow, and you're going to sort of go back and forth, back and forth with getting better and changing. Now, the good news is that God's Word has a great deal to say about this change. 
That God's word speaks to the change that you and I so desperately need in our lives. And it speaks about it all over the place. We're going to see where Jesus speaks directly to this change. But today we're going to talk about change that is no change at all. That's what today is going to be given to. We're going to be looking at what change isn't. For the next five weeks afterwards, we're going to look at what change is. But today we're going to look at what change is not. And it's going to, watch this, so you know, it's going to offend, insult, or confuse every person here. Okay? So just turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to upset you. Okay, good, good, okay. All right, now watch it. Okay, you don't have to say it that much, okay, really. It's okay. No, okay. Now watch this. Now watch this. Watch this. And if it does upset you, we're going to allow, we're going to allow the confusion, we're going to allow the frustration, we're going to allow it to lead us to our knees in prayer, asking God to make clarity, and we're going to stick with the series, and we're going to see that God is going to bring clarity bit by bit. Now, we're going to read in God's word as he um, explains to us what change is not. So everybody stand because God is a rock star better than anything else that you ever... Listen, we're at, least, we're at least as excited about God's word as Boston is about the World Series. Would you agree? At least. They sound far more excited than you do, for sure. For sure. Did you hear them when the, uh, the, the Red Sox won the World Series? Did anybody see that? Yeah, yeah. They were at least a little, excited, a little bit more excited than you are right now. Okay, so we'll try this again. Okay. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get excited about reading God's word. We're gonna yes, absolutely. Okay, all right. There's like four people who are really excited. I'm I'm excited for the four people. Okay. Now here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna read in a nice loud voice. These are the words of Jesus. We're gonna read them in a nice loud voice. If you're over 40, we thought about you. The words will be up on the screen so that you can, you don't have to squint at the little print that's at your paper. If you're under 40, you can look at the paper in front of you and thank God until you become. Older. All right. Um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 45. We're going to read this together, and then I'm going to explain to you the context and tell you, but it's a pretty cool um, passage. Um, let's read it together. One, two, three. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. This is God's word. Please have a seat. You're like, oh my gosh, what did I just walk into? Wow, what a passage, right? Now, here's the deal. So Jesus is, at at this point, Jesus is healing. He's doing miraculous signs. He's preaching about the kingdom of God. Great things are happening. People are are being healed from their ailments. People are being given food that they desperately need in miraculous ways. People are being risen from the dead. God's word is being spoken into their lives. There's an amazing work of God that's taking place as Jesus is doing his ministry on the earth. It's an incredible ministry. As Jesus is doing this, he's also doing this other thing. He's casting out demons. That's what the Bible says. It says he's casting out demons. And at that point, you go, wait, 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 wait. Stop the car. Hold up one second. Pastor, I mean, you seem like a reasonable person to me. Are you trying to tell me you believe 
and demons. Are you trying to tell me that you believe? Now, listen to me. I don't believe the nonsense that we see on TV in terms of horns and tails and red suits and all things like that. I think that's cute for Halloween, but I don't think that that's the, real, uh, the reality of it. But I do believe, absolutely believe, that there is a personal devil and that he has demons. Uh, the Bible says that it is a third of the angels that came from heaven that rebelled against God and were cast out of heaven. And that these people absolutely do affect your in my life. And you go, I don't believe that. Okay, well then explain to me this. Explain to me this. Why is it then, when I go to a person who's been using drugs, knows that they're an addict, I go, are you an addict? Yes. Do you know that this is bad for you? Oh my goodness, yes. Oh good, that means you're going to stop, right? And they go, no. Wait, 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 wait. You know that this is bad. You know it's no good for you. You're going to stop then. No, 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 no. I know it's bad. I know it's no good for me and I'm going to keep on going. What motivates a person to do that? It's demonic. It's a spirit. Why then? Explain to me why. Because it's not their desire. It's not their will. If, if you put them in jail, they couldn't be able to do it. In other words, they wouldn't die if they stopped. But they won't do it. Say another situation. Say I go to this woman and she goes, she goes you know, I, I eat unhealth, unhealthy. I'm not healthy with the way I eat. I go, oh, well, this is easy. Do you know that this is unhealthy for you? Yes, I know that this is unhealthy. Do you know the amount that you're eating is unhealthy for you? Yes, I know that this is unhealthy. Oh, that means you're going to stop eating, right? She goes, no. No, I'm going to continue doing exactly what I'm doing. You see, if you think you can explain everything rationally, you have to explain those sorts of things. How is it that a person knows that something is bad for them and yet continues to do it against their own very will? Well, there's a spiritual thing that's going on there. There's a spiritual war that's happening there. Jesus is starting to rebuke demons. Now, now the Pharisees see Jesus doing this miraculous work. Now, when I say Pharisees, I want you to go, dun, 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 dun. The Pharisees, yes, it's a dangerous place. And now they've come into the scene and they said, this is not cool. Jesus is healing and he's doing it in ways that we don't like. Could you imagine? How crazy is that, right? Oh, excuse me, you healed my mother on the wrong day. Could you come back tomorrow and do it again? Right? No, that's crazy, right? But that's exactly what they did. And so, um, they're saying Jesus is healing. He's casting out demons. He's, he's doing all these miracles. He's doing it by the power of Satan. And Jesus, to explain to them that what change doesn't look like, he goes into this story. Now, remember what I said? That this is going to upset you? It's going to upset you. It's going to be, there might be a little bit of confusion, but you're going to have to come for the rest of the series. Today we're going to talk about what change is not. We're going to talk about what change, what change what kind of change doesn't really transform? And for a lot of you, it's going to be like a real smack in the face. So, I want you to stick with me. We're going to pick apart the text, and we're going to see where God takes us. You ready? <laughs> you suck. Okay, let's try it again, alright? Alright. Um, this is harder than it looks, okay? Are you ready? Yeah! Alright, absolutely. Good night. Alright, so when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but finds none. Someone say, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person. 
Now, this is incredibly important because the Bible never tells us why the unclean spirit left in the first place. See, what's happening here, Jesus is telling a story of a person who's bound, a person who's who's tied up, a person who's been driven by a powerful drive, a person who has been caught up in something that's unhealthy, a person who is acting out in ways that don't make rational sense, a person who has been hurting themselves for a while. And that spirit leaves, that unclean spirit leaves the person. Now you've seen this. You've seen this and I've seen this. There have been times where you and I have uh, uh, wanted to stop using drugs, stop drinking, stop overeating, stop fighting with our... And then one day, it just stops. It just stops. Perhaps, perhaps some of us went to, a, went to a 12-step program. And then all of a sudden, the obsession is lifted. And we don't want to act out anymore. Some of us, maybe, we had an eating disorder or an eating problem and we went to a, a place where we learned how to eat proper portions and the right kinds of food. And all of a sudden, we didn't want to eat the haagen and the chocolate and the, and the things of that nature. And some of you are going, oh my gosh, you're writing out my grocery list. And so, but, but that's what happened. Just, it happened just that quickly. For some of us, we had a relationship and our marriages were just going really south really fast. And all of a sudden... You're getting along. You don't know what it is. The unclean spirit has left. The Bible never tells us why the unclean spirit left. But let me tell you, there's a million ways. For as many ways, as, unclean, as many people as there are in the world, there's as many ways as an unclean spirit can leave. Let me give you a few examples. You know that you have a problem with depression, so what do you do? You go to a psychiatrist's office, you sit at a chair and you talk to the psychiatrist. They, plan, they, give you, they prescribe some medications that will help you with your depression and then you go, oh my gosh, I feel better. The unclean spirit has left. You go to a meeting and you raise your hand and you say, hi, my name is Edwin, I'm a, and whatever you are, and you confess it and then all of a sudden you find out that you're not acting on that very thing and you've got 42 days and you're like, oh man, the unclean spirit has left. Your marriage is on the rocks and you decide to come to church and you, you come and you listen to something like this and you say, oh my goodness, I've been listening to Pastor Gus, I've been listening to Pastor Raymond, I've been listening to the guest preachers and this is really good and look, my marriage is even doing better and the unclean spirit has left. You go to Weight Watchers and you go on their program and the, you, you start taking some suggestions and all of a sudden you don't have the cravings that you had before and the unclean spirit has left. You buy those funny um, electronic cigarettes that uh, have vapors and you start, you, know, you start smoking those and you're jacked up with three patches and so you start doing that. Yeah, right. No, there's nobody in here, right? I understand. Some of, some of y'all don't even smoke cigarettes and you're jacked up on those patches. I understand. And so, not really, I'm just kidding. But my point is, is that you, you and, the, and the desire leaves, and all of a sudden, what, what is it? The unclean spirit has gone. The Bible doesn't tell us why the unclean spirit left, it doesn't tell us how, it just tells that it does. But you and I know that there's as many ways for unclean spirits to leave as there are people in the world. It just leaves. We don't know how. It's not a point. Then it says, anybody know what the it is? It's the unclean spirit. Then the unclean spirit says, I will return to my house from which I came. I want you to look at that sentence. The unclean spirit doesn't say, I will return to the house 
from which I came. It doesn't even say I'm going to return to a house. It says I'm going to return to my house. The one that I've got keys for. The one with my name on the door. The one that my mail goes to. I'm going to go to my house. Because nothing has changed. I mean, from the outside, the person looks clean. The person has lost weight. The person's marriage is getting better. From the outside, the person is in their right mind. They're taking the medication. They haven't been depressed in a while. From the outside, it looks like, oh my gosh, they're getting more healthy. The relationships are getting better. The children are becoming more well-behaved. From the outside, it looks like major transformation has taken place. But the ownership of that person has not changed. That demon is going back to my house. And that might be a good description of why you've been struggling with that thing. You know the thing that you struggle with that you don't want to tell nobody over that everybody knows already? You know that thing? The argument? Oh man, well, you know, he just loses his temper. That's just the way he is. No, 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 no. It's an unclean spirit that declared it was my house. Oh man, I've been doing this 12-step group thing for like 20 years and... I've only been able to put 13 days clean. Yeah, no, no, no. It's the, it's, there's a demon who's going, oh, that's my house. Amen. Go to all the meetings you like. Mm-hmm. That's my house. Mm-hmm. He goes back to my house. Because nothing has changed, as we'll see. Even though everything on the outside, you would go, wow, this is amazing. Look at the transformation. When the demon comes back, He sees something different. Watch what he says. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Everybody say this together. Empty, swept, and put in order. Say it again. Empty, swept, and put in order. Now listen to me. Here's the part where I get to piss you off, which is kind of fun for me. Watch this. You know what we call those people? We call them Religious people. Let me piss you off a little bit more. You know what else we call those people? We call them people in recovery. Oh dear, when it was religious people, it was funny. And now it's not so funny. Isn't this the recovery house of worship? Stick with me, stick with me, stick with me. Hang up. We call those people, you know why? Because they're, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. They're empty. Nothing on the inside. Everything on the outside has changed. Nice jacket. Thanks. You put on some weight. That's true. Wow, you're not acting out the way you used to. That's exactly right. I'm glad you noticed. Empty. Empty. And the Bible says that this demon comes back to his house, finds it just the way he left it on the, watch this, on the outside it looks empty, swept, it looks swept and put in order, but on the inside, it's empty. And he goes, oh, mendito, I know what I'm going to do here. I know what I'm going to do here. Then it goes out and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. Now this blew me away because I'm not a, 
I'm not a stupid person, but here's my thought. I thought, oh man, a horse is a horse is a horse, right? Like a devil is a devil is a devil, right? Like, do you have gradations of devils, right? Is this like a junior kindergarten devil and then this is like a college level devil, right? Is there like gradations of devil? It's like, oh, you're evil on a scale of like three, but you're evil on scale of like 46. Is that like what, how it goes? I didn't know. But it says that it finds seven demons more evil than itself, which is to suggest, here's what we're saying. I haven't, I haven't figured it out loud. I'm not trying to right now at this point. But what I am saying is that it finds more trouble than the person started off with. And man, I don't even have to sell that to some of y'all, right? Anyway, and don't nobody raise your hand and don't nobody elbow anybody else, but anybody here ever went to a 12-step program, relapsed, and found themselves worse off than they were when they started? Has anybody else here tried to go on a diet and then fell back and, oh my, oh my, right? You went back to worse habits than you had in the first place. Has anybody here ever said, you know what, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep myself pure. I'm not going to go out. And then um, all of a sudden you're with any person with a pulse. And you're just hurting yourself. You know why? Because when the demon went away, it's empty. Swept clean, looked good outside. Put in order, looked better than it was. But empty, nonetheless. Now, from this, we understand that there are three ways to relate to God. Three ways. Now remember, what are we talking about today? We're talking about what change is not. So I'm trying to build a case for the rest of the series. If you're getting a little confused, just stick along with me and it'll make more sense as the weeks go by. But listen to me. We're talking about real change and today we're talking about what change is not. So there are three ways to relate to God. I used to think that there were just two ways to relate to God, but there are three ways to relate to God. Now for this, I'm going to need three people. Can I have three volunteers to run up on the stage? Don't raise your hand, just run up. One... Okay, there's two. Do we have another person? Okay, do we? Okay, there's three. Bob, you lost. Okay, we got the three. Okay, stay right there. Okay, stay right there. And come over here. Okay. Now, Lewis, over here. Okay. This is the way not to follow Christ. This is the way to completely and totally abandon Jesus. Want nothing to do with Jesus. This is the gospel-centered life. That's what this represents. Is everybody following with me? Okay, everybody, uh, it starts with the letter C, ends with the letter E. What are we talking about today? Change. Good night. Stick with me. Okay, all right. It starts with the letter C, ends with the letter E. What are we talking about today? Anybody know? Change. Right. I've only said it 40,000 times. Okay, we're talking about change, right? Okay, so this is, this side of the street wants, watch this, this side of the street is rebellious against God. This side of the street is gospel-centered, living for Christ. I used to think there was two ways to follow God. Now I know that there's three. Let me tell you the first way. Not to follow God. Or three, three ways to relate with God. Two ways to not relate with God. We're going to start with the first one. And the first one is the person who's hell on his mind. With the person with hell on their mind. The person who sleeps with whoever they want to, gives the police the middle finger, who um, drives down the street at all crazy, uh, at all crazy speeds. The person, the person who robs from their work, the person who cheats on their taxes, the person who, the person who has absolutely no desire for God. They have as much desire for Christ as they do for Thor. 
right? There is absolutely no desire for Jesus. This person uh, hurts people's feelings, breaks all the commandments, lives for themselves, has no desire. They have the leather jacket, drive the Harley, drive really loud down your block at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's this person, right? Okay. Now, some of us know what that life is like, right? Some of us know what that life is like. Now, pay attention. And we don't want to live there no more. Now, we're not going to talk too much about this person anymore because we all recognize... Most of us here have, at least, unless you were forced to be here or some really pretty girl said, come on, you know, you want to hang out? And you were like, yeah, I want to hang out. Oh, meet me at church. And you're like, dang. And it's like, okay, I guess. And so, right, so, I know. Um, so, so let's say that's, that might still be you. All right, cool. I don't mind. But now watch this. That's one person. Now, remember, this side is the rebellious side, right? This person... This person goes to church, reads their Bible. We're still talking about the rebellious person. They go to church, they read their Bible. They make meetings, they don't pick up, they talk about how they feel. This person um, serves in one of the ministries. This person uh, crosses little old ladies across the street, never cheats on their taxes, and are as kind as you can possibly imagine. In fact, this person gives to charities and is an upstanding citizen. That's what this person is. And you know what the, simil- you know what the similarity of these two guys are? Watch this. Christ is not at the center of their lives. Self is still at the center of their lives. This person only lives for pleasure and says... I don't, I don't care about Jesus. I'm going to live the way I want. I want to, you know, I'm going to live fast. I'm going to die young and I'm going to leave a beautiful corpse. Right? That's what this person says. This person says, this person says, I've done all that stuff. It's painful. It hurts too much. So I'm going to clean up my act. But who's the Lord of his life? He still is. Because the only, his only motivation to do it is so that God can fix his marriage. Or that God can fix his health. Or that God can fix his using problem. Or that God can fix... See, what he wants to do is he wants to use God to give him his real God. And his real God is the girl, the job, the stuff, the relationship, the kids. It's all those things. But you know what we call this person? We call this person a person in recovery. We call this person a person in church. That's what we call this person. And we all thank God for him. We're like, oh my gosh, this guy is doing so great. And, and Satan sees him and says, empty. Empty. This person is the gospel-saturated person. And he too pays his taxes. He too reads his Bible. He too makes his meetings. He too works the steps. He too has sponsees. He too does everything else that the other guy does. But the difference is that he does them out of a center for loving Jesus. In other words, he's with the girl or he's not with the girl, not based on his feelings. He's with or without, uh, without the girl, based on what will glorify Jesus. Amen. He pays the taxes, not because it's a good thing to help him to stay out of jail. He pays the taxes because it will glorify God. See, at the center of his life is not self. Now, are you thoroughly confused? Now watch this. The reason that this is such a smack in the face to a lot of us when I say, oh, this is recovery. Oh, this is religion. The reason I, that I said because you think that it's through your behaviors that you get God's approval. 
You think that God will like you if you just do one more thing. Clean up your room. Pick up the shoes. Wash the dishes. And when you wash the dishes, God really likes you. And when you don't wash the dishes, you stay away from places like this because you feel guilty. Because you're, you're, listen to me. Because your identity is not in Christ. Your identity is in your performance. And watch this. This guy, this guy relapses every few years. This guy, this guy is on fire for Jesus. You can't stop him talking about Jesus. And then is at strip bars a few months later. This guy, he's fighting for his marriage. And then he wants a divorce because another girl, God brought him this other girl. Okay. And so this guy, this guy is the girl who says, but of course I'm going to sleep with him. And I go, well, why are you going to sleep with him? And she says, she said, but you don't understand. If I don't sleep with him, I'm not going to, how am I going to be able to keep him? To which I go, well, I thought that was Jesus' job, whether you keep him or not. And she goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Jesus is not my Lord, he's my lackey. Jesus is not my king and God, he's my business partner. And I'm going to put in 50% of the effort. And Jesus is going to give me what I want. And the moment that he doesn't give me what I want, show me a Quran. The moment that Jesus doesn't give me what I want, give me the Vedas. Give me another religion. Because self is still on the throne. Over here, it's easy to see. It's easy to see. Over here, not so much. In fact, come here, Larry. Come here, Lewis. These guys look identical until the storm comes. These guys look exactly like, in fact, in many ways, this guy looks better than this guy because he really leans on his performance. The difference is this guy leans on Christ. And so when this guy blows it, when he makes a mistake, when he falls, when he finds himself in places that he shouldn't be, he goes, man, I've grieved you, Lord. You've given me joy and peace and I've sought it after other things. And he comes back and he says, God, help me. And he gets strengthened in the Lord and he moves in the right direction. When that happens to this guy, he stops coming to church because his goodness is his salvation, not Jesus. When you ask this guy, hey, how do you get to heaven? He goes, hey, do be good, go to church, read your Bible, uh, make a meeting, uh, talk about how you feel, don't pick up. He says stuff like that. That's how you get to heaven, right? But and then when he blows it, he feels ashamed because his identity is in himself. This guy's marriage will be good and then it'll suffer. It'll go well and then it'll suffer. Why? Because it's all about him. Are we getting it? Yes. There's three ways to relate to God. There's absolute riotous living. There's religion or recovery. And then there's gospel-centered. This is the guy who receives the transformation that can only come from Christ. This guy has the motivation that is steeped in the gospel. This guy has the power that is found in Christ. This guy has the tools that are founded in God's word and by the power of God's spirit. This guy's heart is changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This guy is good for goodness sake. And if you, want, if you don't want to find yourself in that terrible, terrible merry-go-round 
of doing good, not so good, doing good, not so good. You want to get with the gospel. You don't want to be found empty, swept, and put in order. Let's thank these guys for being here. Thank you guys. Great job. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Okay. So where are we going? We're setting up for the rest of the series. Now, we're going to have to ask, but, but wait, 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 where's the change? Where's the change? Yeah, yeah, here, here it is. The change comes from finding out whose you are, finding out who does this work in you, and finding out how he does that in you. But right now, I just can only point out where change doesn't exist. Where salvation doesn't exist. Where life doesn't exist. Not life to the full. Happens in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now, if you find yourself right now struggling with stuff and you're saying, man, I think that I might be that second guy. I I, I don't think, and, and there's some of you who find yourself over here. You're saying, you know what? I'm, I, I have no desire for God. Here's, here's what I would just say to you. Here's what I would say. Please, hear me. Just at least, if you're going to hear anything, hear this one thing. Please. Would you just, would you just remember, when you hit your brick wall, when you lose what you lose, when you finally, listen to me, when you finally look over, peer over, the stuff of life and find out that the stuff that you were chasing was empty. When you discover, listen to me, when you discover that you have been climbing up the ladder of success only to discover that it was leaning on the wrong house. Listen to me. You don't care about Christ? I understand. I can't force you. I can just proclaim to you. Listen to me. Do me a favor. Just remember the message. That's all I want you to do. And when you hit a brick, come to Christ. Please. If you find yourself to be like the second person, then what's needed is confession. Here's here's a truth. The only way a person can get help, anybody know? Is by admitting that they what? Need help. Sure. Sure. And so, if you find yourself and you go, oh, no, 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 the only reason I pursue Christ, the, reason, the real reason that I pursue Christ, and here's how you know, if you're not sure, if you're not sure that you're the second person, let me give you a quiz, okay? If you say yes to any one of these, right? You, might, you know how, like, you know, you, you might be if you say yes to any one of these, right? Watch this. Watch this. If the only reason that you find yourself coming back to church, and I'd say that intentionally, coming back, because that's what your life is. It's a perpetual coming back. You come, and then... If you find yourself coming back to church because of some relationship woe, or some problem, or some pain, or some health issue, or some... If you find yourself coming back, then you might be the guy in the second, uh, in the second stage. If you find yourself getting angry at God for the circumstances in your life. In other words, and here's what I mean. I'm not talking about, go, God, man, I thought this was your will. Oh, man, I'm so broken hearted about it. Could you heal my heart? There's, there's, I mean, stuff we get, right? Kids die. 
moms die. Like, that's, that stuff is heartbreaking. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about, that's it. I'm not going to church. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not. If you find yourself there when things don't go your way, if you find that when your marriage starts hitting rocky, um, rocky waters, that you go, oh, no, I'm not going to go back to church. If you find that when your kids start rebelling, oh, no, I thought God was going to fix that kid. If you, find, if you find that your health takes a turn for the worse, you go, I thought God was supposed to heal me of this, it, and you stop pursuing God, that is an indicator. That's an indicator that you are not pursuing God, but you're pursuing your own self-centered desires, wants, and needs. Makes you feel uncomfortable, right? And it's okay to make you feel uncomfortable because the fact is the truth will set you free, but it will upset you first. And so what I want you to do is I want you to see that clearly because in seeing that clearly, we can then go to the source, Jesus Christ himself. Now, if you find yourself there, then what I want you to do is, of course, I want you to commit to the rest of this series so you could see how God is going to grow us. And I want you to start with a prayer. Hey, God, would you change me? That's what I want you to do. Now, Rob is going to come up and he's going to share his testimony about change. It's going to inspire us and give us hope. Then Pedro is going to come up and he's going to give us an opportunity to um, partake in communion. But listen, when we're doing communion, what I want you to do is I want you to reflect on what we just learned. That there is a kind of change. Here's what we just learned. That there's a kind of change that's not transformational. That there's a kind of change that's no change at all. That there's a kind of change that makes you look good on the outside, but in the end, it leaves you empty. And then, as you listen to these, I want you to pray and say, God, would you put the kind of change in me, the kind of transformation in me from the gospel. I want Jesus to be Lord. I want him to be lifted high. I want him to be celebrated. I want him to be exalted. I want to pursue God out of a desire to glorify him. I want that to be your prayer. But you could start that right now and continue it throughout this week as we get ready for part two. So with that, we're going to have Rob share. Praise God. Um, as I said earlier, as painful as this can be sometimes, it's always an honor to, uh, to be able to give God glory through my story. And so what I want to share was that from my very first memory, I was desperate for change. My very first memory that I can look back, I was desperate for change. My early childhood was one of violence and fear. Physical, mental, and emotional abuse. And to kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about, one of the one of the the events that kind of sticks out for me when I was just a, just a, just a little guy was my mom was on we we had my mom had just gotten custody of us I, I grew up in and out of foster homes my mom had just got custody of us I think I was six or seven years old and I don't know if I spilled the powdered milk or what I did but I can remember she was on top of me and just haymakers continuously like haymakers like ground and pound and all I could do was go on my stomach and try and cover myself as best as I could. And it, and it just went on and on until the police and the fire department showed up, um, at which time I realized that she, during this process, had suffered a uh, one of many nervous breakdowns. And as the ambulance was bringing her out, one of the firemen looked at me and said, this is your fault. Look what you did. And so because of events like that, I grew up afraid, very terrified, very, very afraid 
um, I was literally afraid for my life. Um, and so when my brother or sister were, were getting it, when it was their turn, um, there was no standing in the gap because I was just a kid. So I couldn't stand in the gap for them. I was just a kid. And I felt more like, <clears throat> like a prisoner of war. And what I mean by that was that I was overwhelmed with gratitude towards my mother or our, our oppressor. I was filled with gratitude. And the gratitude was that at least this time it's not me. And so at an early age, I began to use drugs and alcohol to change the way I felt. And fast forward many years, I found myself at, I had just turned 23 years old, and I was at the peak of my crack addiction. And again, I was desperate for change. So I got clean, and I went, I started going to these 12-step meetings, and I felt this void, this hole, this emptiness, and it felt bigger than it was when I was a kid. But the reason why I felt bigger is because I wasn't medicating myself anymore. And, um, and so my life went on chasing things. Um, I had a drum machine. I, ha- I had an act for, for, uh, for performing. And so I entered this rap contest. I won this rap contest. I signed my first deal. And, um, and I was chasing that. That was going to be my change. The outside was looking better. Look at me. I, I am somebody. Look at me. And I used and so I went to 12-step meetings again, desperate for change. And so then I, I figured if I started my own record company, I started showing up records, it, 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 I, I'd feel better. It was a change. And I used. And many things happened over and over. And then I found bodybuilding. I started going to the gym. I started doing steroids. People are looking at me. Women are desiring me. I'm winning trophies. I'm stripping. I'm doing steroids. And I used. I went back to meetings again. And now I started chasing college. I found a girl, and I started chasing college. I started getting A's, and I'm smart, and people look up to me. I could figure stuff out that other people couldn't figure out. And on the outside, I was being, I was being hailed as somebody smart and intelligent, and I used. And so I ended up graduating college, and I'm back in 12-step meetings. Every time I stayed in this 12-step process, and I became a nurse. And so I'm making good money, and I excelled really fast up the ladder. I, 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 was, I became a critical care nurse. I, I, I was a critical care nurse for um, some of the sickest kids in New England. I was a critical care transport nurse. I taught doctors, anesthesia. Like, I was doing my thing. On the outside, in N.A., people looked up to me. Like, I was something. I'm smart. I'm, I'm driving a new car. I, got, I live in a big house on the best part of the city. I got a beautiful woman. Like, I, I had it going on. But inside, I'm still empty. I'm still empty. And I used. Again, 20-something years had gone by. And I'm still just as past Edwin had, had, um, had talked about. And so I came back again, and, and I, you know, I, I'm still working as a nurse. And I was still desperate for change, so I started doing step work. Now, I started doing the step work, and I'm doing it. I want to change. And, and at this point, though, so many years had gone by, I'd isolated myself so far away from people and so far away from God that in a room full of people, I felt alone. With money, power, prestige. And so I found myself in a situation with multiple years clean, sponsor, speaking, wonderful job, career, I found myself um, getting arrested. 
And um, I was in the middle of my seventh step. And for those in recovery, know what that's about. And um, so I got arrested uh, for a crime that I didn't commit. Uh, but if I'm honest about it, I say this all the time. I didn't commit the crime, but I was guilty of the character defect. I shouldn't have been there. I was a married man being somewhere I shouldn't have been. And so my li- I, I surrendered my license. I was facing a lot of prison time. My wife wanted a divorce. We were selling the house. And I had a business at the time as well. I had a landscape company. And so for the first time in my life, there was absolutely nothing that I could turn to to fill this emptiness that I had been trying to fill for 20, wow, 40 years. And so I had no choice. I was left out any options. The very last cog was Jesus. And I was afraid. I didn't trust. I didn't believe. And Jesus sent someone to Massachusetts from this church to speak at a speaker jam that I wasn't going to be at. And I sat there and I wept because he talked about having multiple years clean, being arrested. And the only thing that helped him was God. And God saw that I come here. And I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I want to share with you what happened to that woman that I talked about earlier. I was in a Bible study up in Pastor Edwin's office. And I got a call. She was in a nursing home. She only had a few hours to live. She was dying of pancreatic cancer. Now, the work that Jesus has done in my life, and I'm not, I don't walk on water. He does, not me. But the work, that the real, the real transforming power of Jesus Christ in my life allowed me in my mother's last hours on the phone, on the couch in Pastor Edwin's office to make sure my mother knew Christ, A, and to let her know that I forgive you. I really forgive you. For the first time, I think she had peace. Last year, my sister... I have a brother and sister. The people I wasn't able to stand in the gap for. I brought my sister to Christ last year over the phone. Jesus is doing a wonderful transformation in my life. And it's only because of him. Thank you. Listen. Listen. There is a change that is no change. And I want you to know that that's not what I want for us. But there is a change that transforms, that is found at the cross of Christ. And so Pastor Pedro is going to be coming up and he's going to be doing communion and he's going to be sharing. But here's what I want you to do. I want this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just go, okay, wait. If I'm to change... If there's, if there's going to be transformation in my life, it's going to start at the cross. And the reason that it starts at the cross, listen to me, because there was one who changed where he lived, came from heaven to earth, and lived the life that you should have lived, but did not. 
and died the death that you and I deserve to die. But don't have to. He changed so that He could be that change in us. My prayer is that you don't lose sight of that. My prayer is that you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't barter, replace, or tra- uh, 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 give up Jesus for religion. That you don't, that you don't trade Jesus for religion or recovery or being a good person. But that transformation would happen because Jesus changed so that He could change you. As Pastor Pedro leads us in communion, I want you to reflect on that. I need you. I need you guys. My name is Pedro. I'm one of the pastors here at Recovery House of Worship. And with consistent regularity, every 30 days, on the first Sunday of each month, we'll have Communion Sunday, as Lisa said in the announcements. And we'll have a time to reflect. And if this sermon doesn't help us reflect, I don't know what will. He testified about it. He preached about it. And Jesus Christ sat with his disciples on the on the night, it says the night before he was to be betrayed, the night he, he was to be crucified, right? On a cross. He said some words, but I, I, I'm wondering, as he's sitting on that table, the table talk that he's having with each one of them. On how only change can come through him. That Peter, it's not going to be because your shadow heals people. That James, it's not because you're my brother and you know me. It's because, like Pastor Edmund so eloquently said it, he changed his address. He came from heaven to earth. And he changed himself. You know what he became? He became sin. And his body was to be broken and his blood to be shed for me and for you. So as we reflect, I want us to think about that. A broken body and blood shed for me and you. As I was sitting there and I was listening to you, I I just... And this was in the first sermon at 9 o'clock when you said... um, is there any other possible way that this can be done? Talking to his father. Can you pass this cup from me? And his father turns to him and said, This is the only way. And went along with The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
You can open the wafer. same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me you may drink Luisa and the worship team are going to sing this worship song.